Dave's Off the Seaton Path. A Halloween edition. Here's Seaton O'Connor. Uh, hello and welcome to Off the Seaton Path. My name is Seaton. Mm-hmm. Uh, with me as always is Brendan Pike. Brendan, how are you? I'm doing good. Good, good. Well, we probably sound a little funny and that's because we're taking the show on the road. Uh, now, we're not actually going anywhere fun or doing anything um, super spooky because this is another Halloween edition of uh, OTSP. But actually, we just sort of, the week got a little backed up and uh, we're trying to squeeze in another episode. So uh, right now we're en route from the studio in Milford off to New York City where tomorrow we're doing the Dan Patrick Show. So we decided since we don't have any time tomorrow or Friday to do the podcast, we would do it today in Brendan's car on the way uh, on the way to the city. So um, I think we're being pretty creative here. Heck yeah. I, yeah. I think this is great. Yeah. I'm th- all in. I think Nat Sounds is uh, pretty good. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, uh, if you missed the other two episodes so far, we've broken down, uh, we're going through all of our favorite Halloween movies and scary movies because it is Halloween season. It's October. It's the best time of the year, my favorite time of the year. And um, so far, we've done Halloween, the movie franchise. We then jumped right over to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was a doozy of an episode. Oh, yeah. And uh, now this week, we decided to go with two classics. Friday the 13th versus Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, to be fair, we could have done an episode on Halloween, Friday the 13th, and Nightmare on Elm Street because those are sort of, that's like... Those are the three kind of packaged slashers. That's like, the, yeah, it's like the the uh, trinity, if mm-hmm. you will. The, holy, of, the unholy trinity. The unholy trinity of scary slashers. movies and uh, Halloween movies. Um, now... For some reason, it feels like, Brendan, and maybe you understand this better than me, Halloween, uh, excuse me, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street are always paired up with each other or pitted against each other. They seem to be linked for some reason. Why is that? I think because they both, like Halloween was trying to do something different where I think Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street were kind of hitting that that single note of... Uh, you know, uh, this is a, we're making a scary movie. We're making a slasher film. Like mm-hmm. this is how you do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're, they're they're also two supernatural villains rather than like Michael Myers. At least in the first Halloween, was just a regular guy. Well, who is Jason Voorhees then? Is he supernatural? Yes, I think so. I mean, that's I think that's heavily debated. But um, the first, well, it depends what you're talking about. The first Friday the Thirteenth film. The killer, spoiler, is Jason's mom, Mm -hmm. Uh, which the whole time you're more or less led to believe that this kid has come back from the dead and is killing all these campers that let him die. Uh, And then they switch it up on you, and this sweet old lady turns out to be a a killer. Uh, (laughs) It's pretty awesome. It's a hell of a twist at the end of the movie. And then Friday the 13th Part 2 is when it gets, like, bananas, but still a little bit like you're not in, like, full hockey mask, Jason. Mm-hmm. You're in I've got a burlap sack on my head, Jason, which I think is infinitely scarier. Yes. Uh, and he also has his mom's head on a platter surrounded by candles. Very interesting move. Um, and that's when they kind of switch into the supernatural. So I don't know. I would almost pair Halloween with Friday the 13th before I would pair 
Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Because Nightmare on Elm Street's its own, I, I put in its own category, because that's next level terrifying to die in your 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 nightmares. Right, right. Which the foundation, the like early concept of that was there in the late 70s, there were 18 Laotian teenager immigrants that over the course of a year died in their sleep due to sudden adult death syndrome, mm-hmm. which is a weird thing in itself that's sort of unfigured out, undiscovered, undiagnosed. Yeah. And it's like it's kind of it's like the adult version of SIDS. Correct. Is that sudden infant death syndrome? Right. And mm-hmm. so for these eighteen teenagers, it happened while they were having what they're presuming are like aggressive nightmares, which cause like heart attacks. Yeah. Or heart failure. And Wes Craven read that, and that's when he was just like, "Oh, what if one of these guys?" was going after you in your dreams. Well, so that's what's... The interesting thing about both of these movies, then, is that um, Nightmare on Elm Street, they both uh, explored new sort of landscapes, in a way, right? Where Nightmare on Elm Street, like you said, is in your dreams, which is creepy as hell because you're like, what happens when I go to bed tonight? You can't always control your dream. You can't always make yourself wake up. You can't... Everybody has nightmares. And you have to go to sleep. Right, you have to sleep. Uh, And Friday the 13th, is I think the movie that really made camping scary as hell. Right, where you're like, oh wait, I'm in the woods and I have no idea right. what's out there. Because when you're thinking of the slasher genre, right, and um, so Halloween is what sort of uh, gave us that, mm-hmm. right? It is, at least it seems like that. That was like the first sort of slasher movie. And then Friday the 13th blew it up and made it huge. Right. Um, the idea of sitting alone in the woods with your buddies and you're like, wait, what was that? I just, did you hear that? It's scary as hell. And it's actually the, so we've covered a lot of theme songs here. Halloween is obviously the best theme song. Um, but I don't think that Friday the 13th, the original theme, it, it's gotta be right up there with, it's gotta be right close Mm -hmm. to the top. <laughs> There's like this <laughs> frenetic pace to it that's like, oh, oh my great. god, we gotta get out of here. We get out of here. Yeah. Um, you know what, though, when we're, so we talk about theme songs, I didn't even realize Nightmare on Elm Street had a theme song. Um, yeah, well, Jordan Peele, I only really noticed it after Jordan Peele mentioned it was his main inspiration for the one in Us. Which now I know it. Definitely like sleepy and creepy, but it could just as easily be uh, you know unknown unsolved mysteries or something right. like that. Or like you know? it's very goosebumps almost. Yeah. I don't find so Freddy Krueger is a tough one. You know this. I mean, this could just be a song by John Tesh at the same time. <laughs> like, not that he doesn't make he makes. 
good music, uh, but like it's just like I don't know. <laughs> um, going back, so like after having rewatched now the first Friday the Thirteenth, the original Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, I cannot. I have a very hard time finding Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street scary. Where Halloween still gets me. Yeah. Because there's such a simplicity to it. Uh, and then Texas Chainsaw gets me because there's such an uncomfortable uh, aura around the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it's just like the other two are so 80s and goofy to me. Right. Yeah, I think era might play uh, a little bit of a, a role there. Right. Because the 80s, everything was... It feels a little cheesy now looking back. Bigger and more and... Right, right, right. Whereas, you know, but as a kid, uh, Freddy Krueger was the scariest thing in the entire world to me. I would have... I was in first or second grade when I was, you know, I heard something on the TV downstairs. I was supposed to be asleep. I went and I sat at the top of the stairs and I watched my dad watch Nightmare on Elm Street. And the first time I saw Freddy Krueger... Uh, was the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Immediately, like, had nightmares about this guy. And then my dad found out about it and just leaned way into <laughs> it. He had a hat similar to Freddy's, and he would, like, leave it on my bedpost, like, in the middle of the night, just completely, like, messing with me. Um, but and then eventually, like, I got to an age, and I'm like, wait, this guy's kind of just a goofball. Yeah. Like, and it turned into, like, there's more fun in terms of, like, the insanity in terms of the production design and all the creative ways they kill people yeah. in Nightmare on Elm Street. So the infamous scene where Johnny Depp, you know, where the there's, like, a geyser of blood. Right. He yeah. falls asleep and he goes, <laughs> sinks into his bed. And then there's just this huge, huge, you know, old faithful splatter of blood that hits the ceiling. The way they did that was they built that exact same set, but upside down, and they just poured gallons of red, of water with red paint really? through the hole. So then they just flipped the image in post, or they had the camera upside down, and it just looks like it's pouring up. Oh, which dude, is such that's a cool, so interesting. Like, I don't know, I just love hearing the creative ways that they do this stuff that we see as like such iconic visuals and you know filmmakers man they're just creative super creative engineers people. it is now 12 midnight and this is station ARGR leaving here there he goes through the bed <laughs> Dude, that's a really interesting little tidbit right there. Like, because the blood, if... Right, when the blood comes out of the bed, it just covers the ceiling in such a funny way. Like, it spreads out exactly like it would if it was falling and making a pool. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's really cool. Um, You know what's funny about it, too, is that, like, his... uh, Johnny Depp starts going into it, yeah, and, like, the TV follows him. Like, everything, you know, that's near him starts going in. (laughs) 
That's his first, uh, it's his first movie. You know what's something, too, about when you're watching these movies back is that makes it a little hokey is uh, some of the people that you see. Like, in Friday the 13th, you're watching, and you're like, oh, my God, that's Kevin Bacon and, right. like, Corey Feldman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, this is so cheesy. Yeah. Yeah, Crispin Glover right. is in there. You're like, dude, what? But uh, Johnny Depp's first big movie role, and, like, it was, they picked him on a whim. It was between, like, him and another guy. Wes Craven went to his daughter. He's like, who's better for the hunky boyfriend? And she's like, that guy. It's like, okay, you just made a dude's <laughs> life jump, you know, to Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, holy shit. So like, which one of them then, if Jason Voorhees and uh, Freddy Krueger, which one is the better villain then? I'm probably going to go Freddy at the end of the day. I used to always love Jason because they're kind of polar opposite, mm-hmm. right? Like, Freddy is, like, animated, acrobatic, like... He's just, you know, he runs, he does everything, like, he moves around and, like... Well, one of the things that's really different about Freddy Krueger is that he has a personality. Right, exactly. Yeah, like, um, Jason Voorhees is just the mask. Uh, Michael Myers is just the mask. Uh, Jason Voorhees is like a... uh, Excuse me, Freddy Krueger is like a guy. Oh, he's got a lot of personality. Yeah, yeah, he's like... I think it's five where he takes somebody to a dream in Hawaii... And he's wearing, like, a Hawaiian shirt and sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, like, right. <laughs> serving up cocktails. You're like, this dude's bananas. Yeah. Which, it, it's just a... I think it's... Ultimately, he's a more fun character. And he, I think he's kind of scarier because, you know, Jason Voorhees, like, is limited by the fact that, you know, he stays in Crystal Lake campgrounds. Right. Whereas, like, Freddy Krueger can get you wherever... Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're in bed or in the bathtub or wherever. If you fall asleep, he's in there. Yeah. I remember watching those movies, like, and watching the people being, like, starting to stay awake. Or, like, trying to stay awake. They're like, all right, you sleep. I'll stay awake. And then you just see him start to doze off. And you're just like, as a kid, I was just yelling at him. I was like, no, don't. No, he's going to get you. (laughs) Or where they trick you and you're like, you're like, she thinks she's still awake. Yeah. And then they realize, they're like, oh, no, he's here. I'm dreaming. How did I fall asleep? And they cut to a shot of her asleep, and you're just like, no. Yeah. That's great. That's so so, funny. They're definitely more fun. But I would say, like, in terms of genuine, like, fear, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, probably Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, a little tie there. Well, you know what? Some of them... um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Halloween, one of the things that really gets me about both of those movies is the just the sense of rage in them. Mm. You know, Michael Myers, he just has this uncontrollable rage, right? Right. In Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they don't have... Nece- they're not necessarily angry people. They're just kind of crazy, although Leatherface seems to be... Damaged goods. Damaged <laughs> goods, yeah. Um... <laughs> I don't know. There's something about more demented, the range there. I guess. Whereas with this, it's just kind of like killing for some Right. Well, yeah. Freddy's Freddy's uh, happy, angry, I guess, because well, he's pissed you, off. His re- he's getting revenge on the parents that right uh, burned him. But like like you said, he gets revenge sometimes in a Hawaiian shirt. Right. And there's like a uh, a laugh track to it all. Yeah. It's know? more playful. Yeah. Which of the these two, Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street, is more influential to future movies? 
good question. Um, I don't know, because I would say between Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, mm -hmm. I would say... Because you can make a link between, you can make a very clear link between, uh, say, Nightmare on Elm Street, which I think came out in the 80s, mm -hmm. and then sort of that whole Scream franchise in the 90s, right? I think, yes, I think a little they, more tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, there's a, all of a sudden they added a little more humor into mm -hmm. it, or, or just... That, they started I, laughing at themselves a little bit. Yeah. Whereas, like, and then, yeah, because I think Friday the 13th, uh, it, it had its run as like the slasher films like the slasher films were definitely like a huge huge 80s piece I'm trying to remember like good 90s horror like where did where did it steer then because then like I don't know we've been through so many different phases of horror where like you know, you look at, like, Saw brought out Hostile and all these sort of, like, sure. gore survival horror movies, which are in their own... That's, like, a whole category. other thing. I mean, there's yep. so many... So, like, I don't even know what you would consider Nightmare on Elm Street. Is it slasher-supernatural hybrid? You know, I mean, would you put Nightmare on Elm Street up next to Hellraiser and then put... You know, Friday the 13th and Halloween are, are sort of the battle it out for the slasher films. Right. But. Yeah, it does kind of seem like almost uh, Friday the 13th was almost the end of a era in some way. Yeah. Um, whereas, and, and after that, it, it twisted into a new direction with, uh, yeah, the Hellraisers. And... Right. And you could argue that Scream is kind of a combination of its grounded the way that Friday the 13th and Halloween are grounded but it's funny and right. it's making fun of itself so which one slasher still if you're so each I, I don't remember exactly how many uh, movies they made in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise I know it's at least five yeah I'm pretty sure it's five maybe six and Nightmare on Elm Street I think went past that or, excuse me Friday the 13th went past that Okay. Uh, they had a, a whole bunch of them. Which one, as a as a whole, do you think has the better franchise? I'm going to say Friday the 13th. I'm going to say Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm going to go Nightmare on Elm Street. Which one has the better first movie? Because that's really, if you're going to judge it, you can, I guess we can yeah. judge it on the whole package, totally, every single one of them. But really what counts most is the first movie, right? Just like in Halloween and... Yeah, I think I'm going to go Nightmare again. You think the first you? Nightmare on Elm Street was better than the first Friday totally, the 13th? Totally, because I saw Friday the 13th, the first Friday the 13th, when I saw Halloween, and it did it better, in yeah. my opinion. Okay. But if I put Halloween up against Nightmare on Elm Street, I'd go Halloween. Mm, interesting. What about you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Halloween is always the, the, the best one for me. I might say Friday the 13th. Over Nightmare? Um, because there is something, while it's hokey and super cheesy... Um, the walking Jason Voorhees is just so hilarious. Uh, and I don't know. I just, I remember really liking Friday the 13th more when I was younger. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I, I should go back and, and keep rewatching them, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, 
You sort of mentioned the other genres that came later, uh, whether it was like those sort of travel ones or... Mm -hmm. Oh, because then you get like The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and those are all very reminiscent of, uh, well, I guess all of them. You know, I think when you get into later movies like that, or more recent ones, they do sort of, they take a little bit from each that came right. before it. And so like, you know, we're also leaving out Evil Dead, which was super iconic, and that's yeah. sort of in... Nightmare on Elm Street and Evil Dead I put in the same sort of like little goofy supernatural horror yeah that's like still like weirdly dark <laughs> hypersexual <laughs> like that's like it's interesting uh, you know that is something that not that I want to break down the nudity between each franchise yeah uh, that is something that uh, Friday the 13th was not shy about no pretty much every female that was seen on camera at some point was naked, probably had sex with somebody, and died whilst having sex. Right. Uh, yeah. Which is, uh, might be, it's not completely unique to that franchise, but they kind of, um, they definitely enjoyed that story yes. line and ran with it more and than anybody else. It certainly set the bar that, well, there's that whole, the, the virgin complex or the virgin survivor, right? Like the, the girl who doesn't have sex is the girl who survives the movie. Right. Um, you know, Laurie Strode in Halloween is like a good girl. She studies. She gets good grades. Mm -hmm. She doesn't party. And the people around her who do get killed. And so John Carpenter was asked about that. And he's just like, I didn't do that on purpose. Like, everybody's like, are you secretly hiding, like, a Christian agenda? Yeah, he's what like, kind of message is this? He's like, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, not at all. He's like, that's just a coincidence. I guess I was just trying to, like, create a more innocent character, but I wasn't trying to say, you know, virgins are the only, like, is, like sanctity or anything like that. Like, but... That kind of thing in movies is so interesting because people, there are people who think those things out and put them in there deliberately. Right. They're, you know? they're, and people love to also attach their own narratives, you know, in terms of people love to see what they want to see in films too, right. I think a lot mm -hmm. of times. Very specifically in uh, Room 123, I think it's called. Oh, uh, yeah. That, uh, the Shining. Yeah. They break down the movie to a the, the worst possible way. There's some really, really interesting thoughts, but then, like, there's people that are so self-assured. They're like, ah, if you look in the background there, look you at can the see this shadow here and makes uh, the shape of a minotaur. Clearly, we are in the labyrinth with Jack. And it's like, <laughs> just stop. Just, like, it's... it's <laughs> I don't know. Like, the moon landing stuff was cool. There's some... That's a really interesting documentary to watch. Yeah. Purely from there are some interesting ideas. Uh, but ultimately, to just show, A, how people can create their own thread of logic to try to describe what something's about, but also to, to see how deep Stanley Kubrick's The Shining really is in terms of the layers of symbolism in that right. movie. Well, it's all right, because if you want to see it, it's there, right? Exactly. If you if you want to see all of these conspiracy theories, then you can find so many links to it. And I get, I get caught up in this in my life in other things, too, where mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, this is definitely rigged. 
because look at all of these things. Right. And I, I do believe some of them, for sure. I don't know if The Shining really was a statement about the moon landing or whatever yeah. that whole thing is, you know, it right. seems pretty crazy. Um, but it is, it is fascinating though. It, I, it I really is. About I love, stuff. I love movies that, you know, don't give you answers, but give you questions. Like trying to discern what the shining is about is maddening. Cause like, just like purely from a plot standpoint, you you can't even figure out what the hell just happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're like, okay, yeah. so this guy went up there, he went crazy, but he's in the photograph now. Right. Like, just looking at the hard facts, not inferring anything, you're like, what the hell is this? Yeah, what like, the hell? Which is, cool, I, I, the best takeaway I've heard is that it's about American history as a whole. And so uh, that and there's that's layers the, uh, and layers. Isn't that the wooden... Uh, statue of the, you know, there's like a Native American statue right. in there, and that's supposed to be a clue into. Yeah, about and like there's a lot of Native American symbolism in there, mm-hmm. and the fact that they chose Colorado and like Colorado's history with Native Americans, and mm-hmm. it's uh, such a good movie. That you might can be, go there. Yeah. I know somebody who went out to that hotel, in the, it's in Colorado, and you can go there and stay there and visit. That's that awesome. Stuff, which seems like a pretty awesome I thing would, to do. I'd love to do that. Heck yeah. Um, damn, where the hell were we? I just had something and now I forgot. We were talking about the shot. Oh, do you prefer movies that leave an open ending or do you want something final and conclusive that says this is how this wrapped up? Uh, I think it depends on the filmmaker. So like, I, I love an open-ended ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as it's by a talented, like, as long as it's intellectual and not doesn't feel lazy, um, which I don't have a good example of, I don't want to put it on blast, but Christopher Nolan is a good example of doing it well, mm-hmm. where he ends a movie and you're just like, whoa, we can have a conversation about this for weeks, or we can wait a year and have another conversation about it, or we can wait five years and have another conversation about it. Like, I love that. When it's done so well and it's done so tight, that you're just like, hell yeah. And like The Shining's obviously the best example. Um, but if it's done well, I lo- I prefer an open-ended film. But there's some movies that like, you know, good mystery movies, murder mysteries, it's like, yeah, wrap it up. Yeah. Give me the beginning, give me the end. Give me, you know. Yeah, it's like a complete thought. Yeah, and, exactly. And uh, then it's done. All right, that's fun. Because it could, okay, here's, I can't stand the show Lost. Okay. Because they started, they, they admittedly said, like, yeah, you know, we started this and we didn't know where it was going. And so we just kind of kept making it up episode after episode. That kind of stuff annoys me mm-hmm. a little bit where it's just like, that's lazy. It's like, you know, I like a f- well thought out piece, not just like, ah, I don't know what we're doing. We're just throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like, yeah, but you're, you're doing it with like millions of dollars and there's people who can create stories that have beginnings, middles, and ends. Or, or intentionally doing it. Yeah. But. Um, have you seen the trailer for um, the new Shining movies at Doctor Sleep? Yes. Have you seen that? I have. And so, it, now that's supposed to be, that movie is with Ewan McGregor and he's Danny Torrance grown up. Grown up, correct. Is that right? Correct. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I want to read the book before I see the movie. Supposedly it's not a sequel to... Kubrick's The Shining. That's what they initially said. Okay. 
But then you look at the movie and you're like, oh, this is definitely a sequel to it's Kubrick's The Shining. Quite clearly. Yeah. Uh, like, all the visuals are, are, are there. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, I'm not opposed to it. I'm dreading the day when they, you know, decide to remake The Shining again. Mm-hmm. Um, they made, did that made-for-TV version of it that was really, really close to... Stephen King's book because Stephen King was notoriously pissed about Kubrick's version. Um, Is that right? Yeah. They they got in a bunch of fights about, like, Kubrick's like, this isn't your book anymore, this is my movie. Mm. And uh, apparently threw a lot of shade at him to the point <laughs> where uh, the car that they drive in the book is a red Volkswagen Beetle so he puts makes it a yellow Volkswagen Beetle and then later in the movie when uh, Howler and the, the care, caretakers driving back to meet them mm-hmm. he's driving through a storm and you see a smashed up red Volkswagen <laughs> Beetle which everybody's like it's just gotta be his middle finger to Stephen King which seems wildly unnecessary <laughs> but um that's funny, dude. <laughs> Wildly unnecessary. You know what's something about the movies of this era? When you mentioned, like, we go back to Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Hellraiser, I remember specifically. Um, and the way that I would find out about a lot of these movies just based on my age is because I would go to the video store. Mm-hmm. And it was all rentals, you know? Right. Like, you would have to wait. Maybe HBO had to come on. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And you would get lucky around the time of year if you caught it. Right. But you would have to go to your local video store. I don't even know if Blockbuster was a thing yet or if it had even moved into my area. But I would go to the local video store and you would just see these, the covers of the VHS tape. Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, my God. Like, that hockey mask has a knife sticking out of it. A and snake all... crawling through the front hole. Yeah, like yeah, Jason yeah. goes to hell. Right, yeah. right, right. Uh, that, the artwork um, and selling it like that was really... Um, important and you know you would see Pinhead with all those things sticking I'm like what the hell is going on in that movie I was not what? allowed to watch that was the only one I was not allowed to watch and I'm glad for it because that movie is nasty <laughs> Hellraiser's rough like skin getting pulled off and yeah, stuff. yeah 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 like stuff gives me the creeps uh, but that's interesting about the cover art uh, a movie we both like a lot Mandy oh yeah uh, that director Panos Cosmatos said that both that movie Mandy and uh, his first feature film Beyond the Black Rainbow mm-hmm. stylistically were based off of the cover art of the movies he wasn't allowed to rent when he was a kid that's awesome that like scared him that gave him nightmares he'd be like oh man what's this and then he would create he wouldn't be allowed to rent it he's like he's like I probably would have been better off watching it than all the nightmare stuff I made up in my head of like what could this movie possibly be about um, but yeah the cover art that alone would give me nightmares like, what is so Mandy it, that's not a horror movie no it's is that like I'm, I you know I don't want to bit and piece things too much because it's sort of like a thrill I guess it's a thriller yeah it's an action-y thriller but god damn is it so wonderful it's one of my favorite movies. I absolutely loved that movie. Nicolas Cage is so great in it. <laughs> so good. He's so great. It's kind of a horror movie. It when, is kind when of. When they kidnap 
when you first meet them. But it's a little, it's a little campy. Yeah, but it it definitely has some moments that are, you know, uncomfortable or, Mm -hmm. you know, there's certain violent elements to it that are like, oh dear, that's Uh, big time. Yeah. Um, The uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie poster was really great. Um, And actually, you know, I think that that's one of those things like we talked about Friday the 13th with camping and it's something that most people have done with their friends and you've been out in the woods and you I would think maybe before that you wondered if there was an animal out there like what's, mm-hmm. what was making that noise and hopefully it's not an animal that's going to attack us but then oh my god that the, <laughs> god, god, god. you're like oh my god this is a, now it might be some lunatic with an axe right. or you know some a huge machete mm-hmm. um, we uh the Oof. thing that Nightmare on Elm Street, I think, sort of got into people's heads, too, is that every town in America has an Elm Street. Yes. Right? So Correct. it's like it's like every town USA, everybody has to sleep, every town has an Elm Street, and, you know, it's it immediately puts you on a block in your town totally. that this is happening. Totally. I think they picked it because it was the most popular street name in America. Pretty sure that could be completely wrong. Yeah, I mean, I don't have that data, (laughs) but Uh, I know pretty much everywhere I've ever lived had an Elm Street. uh, Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like, there's such a universality to like putting yourself there. It's like that's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So, what do we do next? Um, I think we should talk contemporary horror because I think I think we could do like a quick maybe. Let's do, like, a quick blast through, like, the genres of the past, like, 30 years. Let's do, like, maybe, like, a little bit on, like, the genres and where we are mm-hmm. now. Because I think we're in a very particularly interesting time in horror where it's actually seen as, like, an art form. Right. You know, Jordan Peele's Get Out got nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, That's it's, it's big deal certainly for being recognized. Movie. Yeah. Hereditary, Midsummer. um... The Witch, like, we're kind of hitting this, like, there's a certain clout to horror films that, yeah. like... Suspiria was... Yep, absolutely. ...is a big one. You know, it's funny, uh, interesting, too, that uh, you mentioned Stephen King, that It has made such a big yeah, comeback. Totally. That's really on a on a hell of a and run. And it's really good filmmakers that are making these movies. Yeah. Get Whereas Out is good. It used to be sort of throwaway, like, hey, we need to make a bunch of money. Hey, you've done something like come direct this you know which that happened a lot in the 80s and in the 90s but yeah I mean maybe we'll do a little little bit more history and then step into like contemporary horror yeah yeah I think that'd be fun um all right cool well uh thanks for sticking with us here on this ride yeah I hope uh, this isn't too audibly damaging yeah hopefully it works and yeah it's not too awful of you if you're sitting in your car listening to this us in our car yeah it's a little odd um, for what it's worth if our car broke down right now mm-hmm. there'd be a good chance we could get murdered out here yeah we're on the Merritt Parkway which is like a pretty idyllic looking area yeah it's like you know the fall so you know we're in the middle of autumn so the leaves are changing uh, they're falling up the tree the sky is looking particularly ominous because there's yeah. a, a nor'easter coming in apparently That's it's just going to be rain it's not snow because it's too warm um, but yeah, this is checking a lot of the boxes of... Yeah, and you've got really bad signal service here, too. Correct. So, my guess is what's going to happen is we're going to break down 
It's gonna start raining. Seton's gonna go into the woods, take a leak, <laughs> disappear. I'm gonna just, I can't get a, a signal. And then all of a sudden there's no cars driving up and down. So I gotta decide which way to go. Fog shows up. You're right, yeah, and then, it rolls and then in. We're in the shit. Yeah, yeah, there you have it. Yeah. It's a classic flat tire scenario. Classic, classic. <laughs> classic flat tire into a dead battery situation yep. that you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, well, thanks a lot, man. This was a lot of fun, and uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Okay. Bye bye.